Hey everybody, it's Aldo Gandhi, and I just want to let you know really quickly that our swag shop is reopened. DeepDishTees.com is where you go, and that's tees with T-E-E-S. Clever name, guys. They're the new home of our merchandise. You can get t-shirts, you can get caps, you can get coffee mugs, you can get hoodies, you can get all sorts of good stuff, and you'll help out the bar room with the purchase. So head over to DeepDishTees.com. The Bears got bombed. The Bears defense got bombed on Sunday. And so is this a sign of things to come? What about the uh, Bears moving to Arlington Heights? After watching that turf on Sunday, I think maybe they should start packing like right away. And what about the fact that the Bears made no trades today on the deadline of the NFL trade? So let's talk about that with Tyler Ellis and John Buffon. Welcome to another episode of The Bear Debate. My name is Aldo Gandia. I am the moderator. The rules are simple. John Buffon will get 30 seconds to answer a question, and then Tyler Ellis will follow up with the next 30 seconds to respond to that question or give his thoughts. That's how the debate works. We'll snake our way through 10 questions, and we're going to have a lot of fun doing it. Let me introduce the fellow combatants now. It is John Buffon in one side. How are you, John? Oh, I'm feeling great, Aldo. The Bears are stagnant and boring, but we never are. So I'm ready to jump into this. <laughs> He's already on fire. Tyler Ellis, brother, how you doing, man? Hey, it's like fight night, right, John? This <laughs> <laughs> is all we got to look forward to. Anyway. This is it. This is good. <laughs> <laughs> you guys do look like you're ready for action. And uh, do you guys, like, prepare for this at all? Or, or, or do you just come in here after a workout at the gym ready to combat? Tyler, what, what do you say? I mean, honestly, two things. One, I rewatched the Bears game so I get angry again. <laughs> so like that gets that gets the veins going right there. Then I do ten push-ups, and then, and then I get my baby oil. <laughs> can't can't uh, do a show without the baby oil, brother. Of course not. <laughs> Well, and I never know what the hell he's going to say, so how am I going to prepare for that? <laughs> I don't know what I'm going to be bouncing off of, so yeah, it's just, whatever. I, I'm just like, you know what? I'll just go off of what he says, and I'm going to see if I can make sense of it. <laughs> All right. Well, we gotta we gotta review this uh, game on Sunday, so some of the questions at the top of the show are going to have to do with that fiasco. So, guys, if you're ready, why don't we uh, get started? All right. 
The Bears' defense was bombed by the 49ers' offense. Explosive play after explosive play. So you've looked at the tape. You've had a chance to mull it over. What was the number one reason for these eruptions and explosive plays? There were five running plays that averaged 23 yards each and 10 passing plays that averaged 29 yards. Was it Sean Desai's play calling? Was it the lack of Khalil Mack's presence on the field? Was it Eddie Jackson's early departure due to injury? Was it something else? Was it all of those things? John, start us off. Well, much like everything else with the Chicago Bears, everything kind of goes wrong at the same time. Of course, not having Khalil Mack hurts. Of course, not having the safeties in there hurts. So I do think Sean Desai got outwitted by Kyle Shanahan. I keep looking at that screenplay on third and 20. And if you watch the play, look how many 49ers are out blocking in front of Debo Samuel. Yeah, he's an explosive runner, but it was a numbers game too. There were just more 49ers than there were Bears. I don't pretend to be a big X and O guy, but I think that's bad. I think we always try to find one thing that went wrong when in reality a lot needs fixed as a combination of all segments of the game Aldo from from missed tackles to missing talent to being out schemed and to being like outmatched we're talking about that was fourth quarter time that was second half time and so from a combination from a from wanting to be a top 10 defense to giving up 18 points in the fourth quarter it kind of speaks for itself that we just didn't really want it at the end yeah, I think it's it's hard to really debate that back and forth. When you look at that game, you look at that tape, and you say, wow, everything was pretty bad. <laughs> everything was just pretty bad that game. Indeed. I mean, and it just got worse and worse and worse as the game went along. I mean, at the uh, we did our Bear football halftime report, and we were pretty you know, convinced that we were going to win this game. But the 49ers came out and scored, and they scored, and they scored, and they scored, and uh, they really made the Bears' defense look pretty bad. Yeah, and I think there was there was some foreshadowing there at the end of the half whenever that big 50-yard pass uh, down to set up a field goal at the end of the first half. That was kind of foreshadowing like, uh-oh, things are getting a little more loose. Things are getting a little more vertical. We were hoping that the Bears would get more vertical, and unfortunately, it was the 49ers. Yeah. And um, th this is this is one where we'll, we're going to talk about the playoff race and whether we're in it or not. But this is one that if we miss the playoffs by a game, this is the first game I will think of uh, this loss to the 49ers because you got to win against San Francisco. You just have to. Yeah, there's let's <laughs> no we'll wait to the playoff race. We'll talk about that later. <laughs> <laughs> OK, let's move over to round two. The Bears' defensive line totaled seven pressures, but never, never got to Garoppolo, much less sack him. Do you see the lack of a pass rush, that dominating pass rush that we saw earlier in the season? Do you see that being a potential issue moving forward for the Chicago Bears? Or was this just an aberration, something that we can forget about in Pittsburgh? Tyler, this time you start things off. Um, absolutely not. You don't don't forget about it unless you're going to do something about it. Pittsburgh may be having their issues, but Pittsburgh is not like they're not going to let you come in and take their candy. That 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 is a team that has a head coach that I wouldn't mind being in Chicago, but I got to give credit to credits due. Um, the Shanahan zone blocking scheme they know how to block. On top of that, what there was a lack of a dominant pass rush because there's no scheme to get anybody in. 
to get somebody open. They did a great job blocking us, but with Khalil Mack not there, there was no pressure, nobody to get him down. Well, let's just look at the last three games. They got three sacks against the Packers, zero against the Bucks, and zero against the 49ers. The last game that Robert Quinn and Khalil Mack actually played together was in Green Bay. Quinn was off against the Bucks. Mack was off against the 49ers. If they both get back on the field, you're going to see an increase in pressure. I don't think that's a groundbreaking take. But I think just having Quinn or just having Mack isn't going to be enough. We saw it last year when Quinn wasn't really producing and it was all on Khalil Mack. It seems like the Bears just really have to have both these guys on the field which also which also means there's no system there's there's no oklahoma um outside stunts designed to get somebody out and open to take advantage of a true one-on-one -on -one. we saw youth check just come in and plug roquan smith whenever he needed to be and so like we just thought there's no depth so khalil mack who we thought is getting up there in age and taking a step back there's nobody being groomed developed to the beta air apparent which holds value for khalil mack but I just truly believe that it, we have to give credit to this um, to the 49ers because they are a good blocking team. And we saw these guys not as scared. They weren't afraid to go up against Roquan Smith one-on-one -on -one because there was a couple of times where we saw the sack coming, but it just wasn't there. Goldman and Hicks, I truly believe, started the game off great by being aggressive in the A-gaps. I saw that. But as the game continued, we got – it was like we were a piece of steel and they just chopped on us. In the fourth quarter, we had nothing left. Yeah, it kind of it kind of is obvious whenever the dog pile that got pushed over the goal line went about six yards with every Chicago Bear on his heel going backwards. I think that was a perfect encapsulation of what happened to the defense. Where's your confidence level, guys, with Sean Desai, the defensive coordinator? He had everyone was down on him after week one. Then all it, it, the confidence in Desai started to climb, climb, climb. And then after the San Francisco game, I saw the confidence like dovetail down to the bottom where people were calling for his job. Where are you yeah. guys at with Desai? I'm just, I'm just going to say this real quick. Sean Desai can't tackle for the players. And we saw all these screens. I saw the reason what happened. It really missed tackles, Aldo. We saw, I saw we, we probably had double-digit missed tackles. Sean can't do that. Sean would love to go tackle for them, <laughs> but he can't. To, to tackle, you have to be willing to get off your block. Mm -hmm. That means it has to come down to work ethic. And so that, that's on the players to want that for themselves. If every single player was on a one-year contract, if every single player if, – if your missed tackles accumulate to your game check, I guarantee you would have a different outcome. <laughs> but the fact that they get paid anyway, that's why. So my confidence in Sean Desai is still high because it's still a great man who's, who knows his team. You know what I mean? He, he knows his team. He knows his players. I mean, at the end of the day, players got to execute, even on that screen pass. Nobody got off their block to go hit him in behind a lot of scrimmage, and so at the end there of the was game, there was two blockers for every bear on that. Play, I mean, I mean but, 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 but there, but, but there you go. But we we have seen ugly team um playoff teams find a way to win ugly, John. And well, the Bears aren't a playoff. The Bears aren't a playoff team, right? And so, right. The, so uh, yeah, I'm not I'm not on the you know throw throw Sean Desai overboard. I'm not with that either. I think that he did get out coached by Kyle Shanahan. I think Kyle Shanahan is a very good offensive mind and Sean Desai being a first year play caller, he was going to hit some bumps. He got he got railroaded week 1. We saw that. He adjusted. He got a little bit better this week against the 49ers. He didn't have it. It wasn't there. And to your point, when the players aren't producing and the scheme isn't up to par, you're going to give up 33 points. Oof. Boy, just you guys talking there brings up so many more questions, but let's move on to round three. 
Pro Football Focus states that Kendall Vildor and Duke Shelley were torched. Each of them gave up over 100 yards in coverage. Vildor was targeted seven times, allowed five catches for 105 yards. Four of those were for first downs. Shelley allowed 117 yards on only three catches. Guys, I want you to evaluate these two cornerbacks. Are they building blocks for the future, or are they just blocking the Bears from success? John, go. No, I don't think. Look, they're fifth and sixth round picks, respectively. I think they're good depth guys, maybe spot starters. I have a little more hope for Vildor than I do for Shelly. Shelly's in year three. He's 25 years old. I don't know if he factors into the long-term plans with the Chicago Bears. Vildor has shown flashes. He's only 23 years old. Uh, he Maybe he still needs some developing. Maybe he can eventually be the number two guy. But remember, back in the summer, we assumed Desmond Trufant was going to be the Robin to Jalen Johnson's Batman. And then, because he didn't get the reps, he eventually got cut and Bildor kind of got thrust into that position both both of these guys are just they got an opportunity and you all we could do was hope that they would show up but these guys are stopping gaps okay um these fifth and sixth round picks you, you never know what just what's going what's going to happen when, when when the lights come on sometimes it's the first round pick who's a bust but these guys are getting exposed for not having that much experience but going back to the offseason when we only had five deep defensive backs that was the concern we have to be able to take the bad with the good because sometimes these guys show up and then when it's times like this, when you have an experienced head coach who is used to take advantage of those guys and schemes of getting people open, you got to be able to take the bad with the good. One of the things that uh, people have talked about in, within the Bears organization, players and defensive coordinators, is that things work hand in hand with the Bears. So notice, no pass rush this past week and what happens? The defensive backs get burned. So you got to have both. And I agree, you know, Kendall Vildor, I think, is the one guy that's going to survive this and he's going to bounce back. Duke Shelley, I have some some issues with. Uh, so we'll see if he has a bounce back game this week. And hopefully Eddie Jackson's back, which is another issue. When I spoke with Greg Gabriel this week, he told me, you know, Greg uh, Greg said, Eddie Jackson is a terrible tackler, but he he's the captain back there. He tells guys, you get here, you get there, you do this, you do that. And his absence was, was an issue. And, yes, and whenever, ever, real quick, everyone that always talks about like, oh, and I've been critical of Eddie Jackson. Everyone's been critical of Eddie Jackson. But there's people that have been like, oh, see, see, you don't want Eddie Jackson in there. That's what happened. That's never what we're saying. We just want, we know Eddie Jackson's the best option they can put back there at safety. We just wanted him to tackle better. It's not like, oh, get him out of there and put someone else in. We're like, no, we want Eddie Jackson back there. We want him to be successful. We just want him to do some final, finer things a little bit better. So, yeah, I don't think there's anyone arguing that, guy, oh, see, I told you that they needed Jackson back there. We all know that Eddie Jackson needs to be back there. We all know that Eddie Jackson has to be really good back there as well. John And, John, to that point, I didn't see anything that said, dang, I'm really missing Eddie Jackson. I didn't, there, there, I didn't, that, that play was not there. I watched the damn game and from somebody who plays defense, like Eddie Jackson is great. When's the last time I said, damn, thank God for Eddie Jackson. I haven't had that moment in a couple games. It may have been a couple good, a, a block or, or, but I seem like he's, he's the second guy getting there. Oh, he helped. He's had some tackle assists, but a solo tackle and a solo interception at, at, at a key moment. But even after he left, we didn't see the four nights go down there really deep. Not until that last bomb that sucked that the dude, he he should have took away the um the inside because they had no more timeouts. 
And so, but the fact that he, to give that up, so that maybe was Eddie Jackson, easy. maybe Eddie Jackson makes that play though in deep maybe, coverage. But, but maybe he does. But 18 points in the fourth quarter wasn't because they went deep. It wasn't because they went deep. They took advantage. No, they of were running the ball down our throats. But, but which at is, that point, which, which yeah. all comes back, which all comes back to to yeah. bad tackling, which I don't think Eddie Jackson would have been a saving grace on anyway. And so, like, no. but his, 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 his presence is missed. But at the end yeah. of the day, we are all grown men. We're, we're grown men. You're making a lot of money to tackle. Do you need another man to really tell you how to do your job? Like, like, like at this point, at this point, you, when your when your captain goes down, you should actually want to step. Like, I got your back, bro. I got your back. I'm not gonna let you down. We can't cater to these soft ass. Mm, we can't cater to these soft emotions. To the, to the soft emotions of their their guy wasn't there. This is a freaking football game. We're at home. It's, it's a, like at the end of it, we were winning. We gave up 18 points. No, 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 we lost by 10. We gave up 18 points in the fourth quarter. The, listen, we're, we got. We, I know what a football team should be, but we're talking about what the Chicago Bears are. And so if they <laughs> if they need if they need that guy in there, then they need that guy in there. We can't. We can talk about what they should do and what they need to be and what they have to do, but that's not what they are. So if they, if they if they need that presence in there or they need Eddie Jackson back there in coverage, then that's what they need to be successful. I'm not saying it's right. I'm not saying that's how it should be, but that's what they are. Well, that's what they – I'm talking about what the actual product on the field is showing us, and that's – is it unfortunate? Yeah. Is it what it is? Yeah. And Aldo, to your point real quick, without the pass rush, yes, these DBs had to cover for five-plus seconds. Mm-hmm. And that, and, and that what that's what happened because nobody got a hand on Jimmy – he was smiling back there. He was sad in the first quarter, but he was he wasn't even afraid to scramble. And that's something that like, wow, you actually get a chance to hit a quarterback and nobody could have laid him out. We talked about Sean Desiato earlier. This is what Spirit Plane says. The size problem is that he doesn't hold his defensive players accountable nor teaches his players the simple fundamentals of football, even though they should already know. What do you guys think about what Spirit Plane says? Well, they, they probably should know the fundamentals by now if they're playing in the National Football League. But there is nothing to say that the coach should not be refining those tools and hammering away at those every day because, as everyone knows, repetition uh, is what is what makes that is what makes you great. Repetition, doing it over and over and over again. Um, I don't know. I'm not in the locker room with Sean Desai. I don't know if he keeps guys accountable or not. If that if that is the issue, then yeah, then 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 that that is a problem. And the same could be said against across the coaching staff and general that who's who's to say Matt Nagy doesn't keep people accountable he's only worried about how he looks most of the time so I I don't know if this coaching staff as a whole holds people accountable I think they like to be liked honestly I think that some of these coaches like to be liked and their players coaches which means do whatever the hell you want John to to, to his point I don't believe we'll be debating but I agree with what he said we're not we're, we're, we're not we're, we're not we're not in the locker room we don't know but if he was holding people accountable, Eddie Jackson maybe should have been benched for bad play. We saw the Broncos do that to Kyle Fuller some weeks ago. You're being benched for bad play. And so has Deshaun, has Deshaun decided, send that message? You're not playing bad. You're, you're, you're playing bad. It's tough to do that when the Bears were leading the league in sacks. Mm-hmm. And so, like, it, it, it's hard to do that when you're actually doing stuff. But um, it just it, for that particular comment, we don't know because we're not there. Because we don't see him screaming at guys on the sideline, and then the media will take that and twist that all around. And do you really want to take your guys out publicly? That you know, super slippery slope. I totally agree with you, Tyler. It's not Sean's uh, style to ridicule or or criticize a player publicly, 
but I have it on good authority that at those meetings, there's a lot of finger pointing and and people being held accountable. So uh, I don't think it's it's fair to say that Sean Desai doesn't hold his players accountable. I think he does it behind the scenes, which is is the predominant coaching philosophy nowadays. It's not like the old Mike Ditka days where you would, you know, uh, and not to say that some coaches don't do that, to still have the Ditka style, but for the most part, most most coaches now handle it privately, either one-on-one or in the meeting room. Something is off, gentlemen, before we go to the next question. Sure. What, the, what happened to the tip drill? Every time I see a tip ball, we're just, we're just not there for those things. Those are the opportunistic plays from 2018. But as a tip drill, for the people are like, oh, my gosh, tip drill, run to the ball. Like, somebody should be diving towards the ball. And so, like, we, it was like two interceptions that I feel like we could have had this past game. Those are those are momentum shifters. And so, but that goes back into the defensive coach. Then that goes back into practice. We're having to the blue bucket. Are we hungry for these interceptions? But a tip drill, if a tip drill, we shouldn't be, be that bad out of position. A tip drill should allow for an interception because we are in position. And that's what we all talked about during the offseason, that he gets guys in position. All right. Well, get the damn ball. That's I'll a great the point. Bear, Go the ahead. Bears opponents are really good at the tip drill. I can tell you that. <laughs> And I was just going to say, you know, with the collective bargain agreement, a lot of practice time has been shaved off. And maybe the tip drill is one of the things that went away. But John makes a good point. The opponents have time to do the tip drill. <laughs> I've, seen it, I've, seen, I've seen it time and time again throughout 2021. It's just been against the Bears. <laughs> All right. We move on to round four. Justin Fields had arguably his best performance as a pro. No, no, it was his best performance. But he did struggle with that deep passing, going 0 for 2 on passes over 20 yards or more. What do you think is the cause of this ineffectiveness in his deep passing game, especially given the fact that Fields' deep ball accuracy was one of the best things that he had going for him coming out of Ohio State so what do you think is the cause of this deep ball inaccuracy going on with Justin Fields? Tyler, begin with you. Honestly, I have to ask to be either um the reps, reps, um, the reps, player the player development and players, you you're a different player when the lights are on. It's hard to say, Aldo, because I seen the guy, Mike White, in the in the New York Jets, fifth round, sixth round draft pick, come in and then light it up for 400 plus yards with deep passes. For Justin Fields and I do it, I have to put it on the coaching staff, what the focus is on practice, and the offseason preparation for your first-round draft pick. Other than that, there's really no excuse. Well, the answer's kind of in the question. Oh, for two. They aren't going downfield at all, so when they do, we're going to get hypercritical of those throws. Could he put a little more touch on the ball? Absolutely. Are there things he should be working on? Sure. He's a rookie quarterback with a bad offensive line. Let's make sure we take all of these things into account. But I don't think I'm ready to say that Justin Fields has a problem with the deep ball. He just isn't getting too many chances throughout the game. By the way, the Bears are dead last in the NFL in explosive pass plays. So all of these things factor into that. The lack lack of opportunities, John, is right on the money. I'm supposed to be debating you. But like (laughs) (laughs) but but it's the lack like Aldo, like we said, are they are they practicing that? Like quarterback stole down the field with faith. Freaking Aaron Rodgers, that punk. He throws down, but the guy is always open. And it's like they it's like they practice it. It's like they practice it. Hey, I'm going to throw to this spot. But every, when the Bears game is over and I see the highlights from the other games, I'm like, 
every other team is throwing downfield. And the guy just happens to be open, even by accident. I, I, I hear you, I hear you, Sister Tiffany, about no time, but it's about at the end of the day, it's about somebody should be open. That is it doesn't make because the Bears offensive line, actually, in my opinion, has been a little bit better in um in in the run coverage, but they've lacked in the passing game. But at the end of the day, nobody schemed open. How can every other team in the NFL, including the, the Texans, have somebody open downfield and Justin Fields can't connect one? Like that, some something's off, but that has to be on Bill Lazor, Nagy, and the coaching staff. And there is something to be said. You're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't, because if they bring in some of that max protect where we see Alex Bars get brought in sometimes, by the way, he got punked on a max protect player in that game, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, if they bring in a max protect, they have extra linemen, then all of a sudden you only got two people running routes <laughs> and you got and you only got two options and they're out open downfield. Or if you spread it out, we see what happens when they go with five person protection, they get blown off the line when they go against a decent pass rush. So uh, it's, it's, it's a little bit of personnel. It's a little bit of scheme. It's all whack. It's all, it all, it all needs to be completely wiped clean and started from scratch. Well, and I'd like to add too, is that remember Justin Fields didn't get very many reps with the number ones. And now he's trying to throw those deep passes, which are the most difficult to throw in the NFL Two guys that he didn't get a lot of reps with. Allen Robinson sort of complained about it a, a week ago during his press conference that he didn't get a chance to build chemistry with Justin Fields. So you add that to every other issue that you both uh, brought up and Tiffany and others in the chat room brought up. And that all spells to what we're seeing, a lack of efficiency right now with the deep passing. But I, this guy has shown promise. I think he's going to he's going to get it real quick. And because you just said something that sparked my this sparked my anger. How big of a waste of time was training camp, by the way? You spent all those months saying Andy Dalton's our starter. We got to get Andy Dalton to cut to hold a, you know, to run this offense. We're gonna get him all the ones reps. We're gonna get him a good chemistry with the receiver. That whole training camp was a waste because you got what you lasted two weeks before before Justin Fields got thrown in there like we thought might happen and all of a sudden he's got to build chemistry with the ones on the fly what a waste what was your game plan and if you think this was your game plan I know Andy Dalton got hurt but then he got healthy and you stuck with Justin Fields so that entire training camp of getting chemistry down with Andy Dalton and Allen Robinson and all the other ones was a waste because all you did was you you set back Justin Fields' time with the actual starters. It's hard to debate that, right, Tyler? <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's finish off the first half with this next question here, round five. Let me find it first because I, I think I lost it. There, there it is. <laughs> Jesse James had a brilliant catch for a touchdown in Sunday's game. He is now only the second Bears tight end with a touchdown reception this year. The other is Jesper Horstead. That's right. The tight ends who are third and fourth on the depth chart have the only touchdowns for the Chicago Bears. In fact, Jimmy Graham has only one catch this season. So what's going on with the tight end position? John, start us off. 
Well, it's the same damn thing that always happens. No one in this franchise knows how to use the weapons that are on the roster. So you got to have Jimmy Graham back. You got to pay him his money. One catch. You got to use your top pick in 2020 to bring in Cole Komet. And the biggest thing that people are talking about with Cole Komet is his evolution as a blocker, which is not always what you want to hear about such a high draft pick. Uh, but Jester, Jesper Horstead and Jesse James, they both have a handful of catches this year. That's what you kind of would expect from them, but you wouldn't expect that they'd be the only ones with touchdowns. I think it's probably good for my mental health if I if I just don't think about it, actually. Um, it, it, it's it's I, I see an increase coming with the tight end usage. Um, the one thing up the, the, to Cole Komet's credit, he's very good at blocking. And so, like, it, it, it's I'd rather have Cole Komet blocking Bosa than Jesse James blocking because the other way around, that touchdown doesn't happen. So Cole Komet is doing things without the ball, just like in basketball. They said, can you move without the ball? So Cole Komet, for me, is showing his value. He did. He wasn't able to bring in that one catch. But I, I, I'm actually encouraged about the development just when he passed two games. But this game specifically with the tight end usage because um, – Cole Komet, I, I like this kid. I, I, I for some something about it. It may be more. Um, I hope more than what I've seen. But um, Cole Komet, just, I feel like he's going to be a big a big asset to this team if he can be used correctly. Please, dear Lord, if we can get yeah, a, a tight end coach that actually can institute some routes for the tight end, I would love to see Cole Komet catch a forty yard post route. Hey, like let Cole Komet be able to run in space rather than have to come down with a jump ball. Even though I believe he would be good at that. He's a he's a pile of bricks who can and he can block. He he checked Bosa one on one. Bosa didn't want nothing of that. That was highly impressive. That touchdown does not happen without that block. And thank goodness for Jesse James who had some preseason success with Fields that is actually showing up in the offseason. Those other I'm not I'm not going to waste my time talking about dead cap because we got tons of dead cap to talk about. But it, it, it truly it it is what it is. But um I'm glad this game that we were, we were able to see that Jason, um, Jesse James and Comet actually do something. I'm not ready to punt on Komet. I have hope that he can be a good contributor to this team. I'm just tired of hearing that the you know the biggest thing that's coming along with him is his blocking. That's not why they drafted him. I don't believe they drafted him to say, "Wow, this guy can be a great blocker." You don't you don't spend your top pick in 2020 because they didn't have a first round pick. That so their top pick in 2020 was on Cole Komet. And if they wanted somebody that can block, they should have taken a lineman because that would probably have been a lot better usage than what they're doing right now. And so to your point, how much of this usage is scheme? How much of this is not being able to scheme the tight end open? Or is it Cole Komet on his routes, which I see in the chat room? He does look kind of stiff on his routes sometimes. He does have a little bit of the drop season, crucial situations right now. So you'd hope to see that develop. He's in his second year in a very stagnant offense with quarterback turnover. He goes from Trubisky to Foles to Dalton to Fields. So I get it. There, there isn't a lot of help. There isn't a lot of contributing factors to his success. Um, so I would like to see him in a different scheme with a different coach, but I think I'd like to see all of the Bears players in a different scheme with a different coach. So that I'm not, I'm not saying anything stiff, crazy now. Stiff, stiff or not. I don't think there's a lot of DBs that want to tackle this guy. Cause he doesn't he's catch he, it. He, yeah. I mean, no, but he's, but he, he's going to catch the ball because even in the last game, he had like four or five catches to end the game. And so, that if you if he would have if you if he would have caught that that um that jam that jam um scream yard that would have been very crucial in the clutch catch for him, but um not too many people want to tackle him, and so I believe he's going to get the catches. But John, to your point, we're just now starting to use our tight ends, and so once again with more repetitions underneath, um I feel and he's coming open. He may be running stiff, but like at the same time when I saw him come open, 
um, field just went the other way. He went he went further downfield, which I'm not going to argue with. And so it's just consist consistency. We're going to build on these things. I like Coca. I like I like Coca Met. I see the comparison down low. That's that's mm. funny, but, but um, but but I, but I like Coca Met, and hopefully we can just get him some some nice some nice imagination with using him. And it's it's not his fault that the offensive line is what it is. We have to use him like him because with the regular offensive line, there is no blocking. And so with a if if Justin Fields had imagine Justin Fields with five seconds to throw the ball, imagine that. Well, imagine with three seconds to throw the ball. I mean, he he literally got hit 1.94 seconds after the snap against the Bucks. So, I mean, that's you, you can't do anything in that amount of time. Yep. And and and, and to, to your point, yeah, I think that Cole Komet can actually be a real contributor. But much like everything else the Bears do, one hand isn't paying attention to the other hand. You 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 have to have Jimmy Graham. You have to use a high draft pick on a tight end. And then what do you do? You ignore the tight ends throughout the throughout the scheme. Just like whenever they when I remember the year when it was just Jesper Horstead and uh what Brian Broniker and that you know that that island of misfit tight ends that they were putting out there every week because uh Burton was hurt and Shaheen was hurt. They said, well you can't blame Nagy because if he needs he, his offense is so based on having good tight ends that they're not getting production out of these bad tight ends. And if they just had good tight ends, this offense would be great. Well, they go and they get two tight ends. They get Jimmy Graham. They go out, they get Cole Komet. They bring in Jesse James. They bring in Jesper Horstead who can catch the ball. JP Holtz can block and they still don't freaking use them. So obviously there's a little bit of a disconnect here. A couple of things I'd like to bring out is number one, you know, after that Cleveland game, when it was obvious that the Bears needed help at pass blocking, the tight ends have been asked to block much more than normal. I mean, there's been a lot of max protection. And so that's taken away some of Cole Komet's uh, pro uh, uh, chances. And that's to be expected. Another thing that I learned from uh, Greg Gabo, and it's actually something that I had heard many years ago, it typically takes three seasons for a tight end in this league to start to really mature and get it. Understand all of the responsibilities of blocking, pass routes, and so forth. And so Cole is now in the middle of his second year, and we've been seeing progress. So I think that is an indication that perhaps in 2022 he might have a breakout season, but we shouldn't expect him to perform at a Travis Kelsey level or any of the premier tight ends. He could potentially be like a Kyle Rudolph, a top uh, tier two tight end so and then the other thing in the in the chat room there's a debate regarding that one pass that Cole got one hand on in the end zone but didn't uh then uh, haul it in coach uh, uh John DeFilippo the quarterback's coach did say that Justin had a little bit too much heat on that pass and that was something that Justin himself said in the post-game press conference he wished he would have taken a little bit off so I mean, I was very critical if you saw my Twitter, my tweet about that uh, of uh, Cole, but I can understand that perhaps it, it should have been a little softer pass for him to make that one-handed catch. I don't like that excuse that you threw the ball too hard because it, you're trying to get like I don't like that excuse at all, especially if you're throwing it to a guy who's 260 pounds. Uh, you just you're if you I get it. He's but he also could have maybe he could have bodied that ball a little bit more. He could have maybe he could have let he could have if it was one if it was one handed. And I'm not a I'm not a receivers coach, but I feel like it, it, whenever you go in there, you can let you can kind of body that ball a little bit more and have a better chance of some surface area there to bring that ball in. I think he really just tried to do the whole 
bear claw, tuck it out of the air and then bring it in. And it didn't work. I think if you, if you use your body a little bit more, which is not the way you're supposed to catch with two hands, but in that situation where you got a guy draped all over you, you gotta, you gotta create some surface there to catch it. So um, I don't, if it's, it, I don't it, know. It, I don't like, it, I don't it, like it. did have some heat. Even when Justin throws the ball, I think he, he looks like a pitcher to me, which is dope. He looks like a pitcher to me. Every time he throws the ball, he's throwing some heat. It's like, it's, it's zooming out of there. Even on that deep, I was like, oh my God, that's a beautiful fire. <laughs> but like, that was like a five yard, it was like a seven yard pass. It was like a seven yard pass. And so throwing that, the goal, Cole had to jam, jam the DB or jam the linebacker, then turn his back to him, make sure the DB or the linebacker can't get the ball, which was great. So you got those responsibilities. And you're doing all of that within six seconds, then to turn around. And so he's like, it's like, run up here, jam him, turn around. Ah! Like that's a lot when you got a ball come at you 80 miles per hour. <laughs> so like, I know, but it, but if he but if he feathers that ball in, then what happens then? Yeah, I know, I, I know, but but cold. It, it, that's why he said just a little bit off. Perfect, perfect scenario. A little bit off. I know it's hard so, to talk about. So the ball needs to be thrown to cold no, perfectly every no, time. No, 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 no. It's not about perfectly because the, the the horse step pass wasn't perfect. That was actually covered, and so it was all situational football. I just think for that particular play, he had to jam him theoretically. I would have just cold catch the damn ball. If it touches your fingers, catch the ball. That's the rule of football. But um, it was it was far, it, it was fast, and it was a little bit further outside. Whatever. Whatever. Well, I remember when I posted that tweet, being a bit critical of Cole Komet for not catching that pass. That a lot of people said, "Well, the guy, the defender is holding him. He was holding that left hand. That's why he couldn't get two hands on it." And when you look at the replay, yeah, there it could have been a holding penalty. But again, well, we're not going to do any rants on the referees this week. We'll, we'll save that for next week after the Steelers game. <laughs> what's, what's the point? Yeah, yeah exactly. We have uh, gone through one full half of the Bear debate with these two gentlemen, Tyler Ellis and John Buffon. It's been a blast. But the second half, I got a feeling it's going to be even better. And we'll get to it right after these messages. Fantasy football players, who do you start? Who do you sit? Find out every Sunday morning at 10.15 on the Fantasy Football Guru Show on the Barroom Network.
programming note before we get started with the second half. Dan and Aldo Bear Their Souls will start at 9 p.m. Central today. Uh, Dan's got to work a little late, so we're going to start a little later, and we've got a great show planned for you. The other thing I want to mention is Deep Dish Teas, T-E-E-S dot com. Deep Dish Teas dot com is where you can get all your Buffon 55, Bear Football, uh, Barroom Network. You get all the hoodies and T-shirts and everything that you need, and it's a good time now to start that Christmas shopping, so head on over there. You guys ready to get started? Yes, sir. Let's do it. Every time you say deep dish teas, I get hungry. Every single time. Mm-hmm. Every single time. I'm like, oh. Mm. I, in that commercial, the one at the top of the show, I say clever name, guys, because yeah. I hear that, and right away I want to buy uh, that pizza first. But I want to buy a pizza, too. So. <laughs> all right, let's get Let's started. do it. Give me, give me all the carbs, John. Give me all the carbs. Yes, sir. <laughs> Cheat day. Last season, the Bears lost six straight games, but they rebounded to win three of their last four games and make the playoffs. Tyler, I'm not sure I've ever met anyone more hopeful and optimistic than you, so I'm going to give this question to you. Tell me how the three and five Bears can, no, 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 not can, but will make the playoffs this season by winning seven of their last nine games and get into the playoffs with a 10 and seven record. Then you, John, tell me why Tyler is wrong. Tyler, you begin. First of all, we have to understand this is the Chicago Bears. We are destined for greatness. That's one. (laughs) Okay. no matter we will overcome adversity, Justin Fields and Allen Robinson are going to turn on this Monday night in Pittsburgh. Allen Robinson will have over 100 yards with a touchdown pass, this touchdown catch the season. And that's going to continue in steamroll. The Chicago Bears, Justin Fields will have 400 yards passing for each game for the rest of the year with multiple touchdowns. And that's how it's going to happen, because we're going to we're going to kick the coach out of here and do it ourselves. Oh, you almost sold me on it, brother. Listen, Tyler is wrong because I don't think he actually believes that. Look at this schedule. It's full of teams that are even way better than the 49ers. So let's do a little prognosticating. If they were to achieve a 10-7 and record, let's give them wins against the Steelers, Lions, and Giants. Let's be just very generous and give them all three of those games. Then they will have to take four of six from the likes of Baltimore Green Bay, Arizona, Seattle, and Minnesota twice. There ain't enough positivity in the world to convince me that that's going to happen. <laughs> I you know what, Tyler? You had, me, you had me going there when you mentioned A-Rob. If A-Rob can get on fire, right, and play and start to deliver the numbers that he did the last two seasons as the Chicago Bear, I mean, that is going to be so huge for this offense and that they can then start to average more than the average points they're scoring now, 22 points a game, which is the league low, and get to that 24, 25, 26, 28 points per game, and they could probably win. Just that one player, A-Rob, could be the key. John, John is just rolling his eyes. I mean, I mean, that's my that's my thought process, Aldo. Because what are we talking about? <laughs> we we are we are we're expecting. I'm in in our fantasy world. We're expecting our team to actually care more than we do. Because if I'm just if I'm a Rob, I hey yo, where you what you doing? I'm with Monday morning. We're together. We're hanging out. Let's go to the field. Let's catch some balls. Because if and if I'm the coach, I'm like yo, let's do hey yo, everybody off the damn field. A Robin, A Robin, Justin on the field. Run, cut your hundred balls together. 
But at the end, what that would do, John, that would open up so many drag routes. That would open up so many things with Cole Komet. If, if Allen Robinson is on, that means Cole Komet is one-on-one with the, with the third-string DB. If Allen Robinson can rightfully command the number one DB and the safety, like he always has his entire career, always demanded double coverage and still caught the ball backside shoulder towards the end zone for 15-plus yards. That opens up everything. John, I know that it is a perfect world. I know. Yeah. I know, bro. I know. Well, but that, that would just do so much. Also, that opens up running lanes because now the safety isn't coming down to, to check Herbert or whoever run at the backfield. And then you have the Bears scoring touchdowns, multiple touchdowns in the first quarter. The defense being able to play with a lead with Killo Mack. Hey man, that's a that's a seven zero run, bro. What what's the uh, what's the saying? And if ifs and buts were candy and nuts, we'd all have a merry Christmas or something like that. So yeah, they rob all of a sudden starts catching ten balls a game, and the line starts blocking, and we got running routes, and oh hey, the defense gets twenty five sacks a game. Hell guys, we might win some of these ball games. Well yeah, <laughs> but what evidence has this this team showed you at all? that they're capable of doing that. I, I'm tired of thinking, oh, well, if they just do this and they just do this and they just do this, they ain't doing any of it, Tyler. They ain't doing any of it. So I'm not just going to think that they're going to rattle off seven wins. I, it's just, it, no, it just, it's not going to happen. I used to have that. I, I wish I still had that hopefulness in my eyes that you still have. I just don't have it right now because it's just, it's gone. But, John, let me remind you that after the Bears won their third game, you were actually talking like they could potentially win a couple of more games this year. Yeah, I, I don't think I ever thought that this was going to be a playoff team, even no matter who was the quarterback. I, I thought they – I pretty much thought they topped out at eight wins, and I'm still – I, I think seven and ten might still be a little bit more along the lines of the. Uh, if, if right now, if the odds were, are the Bears closer to ten and seven or seven and ten? Watch it be a hundred percent sway towards more likely to be seven and ten. And gentlemen, and gentlemen, this is what's going to happen. It happens every freaking year. We'll probably win some games at the end of the road. But honestly, I'm thinking longevity for our team. Mm -hmm. And you know what? If, if it, I, I'm sorry, I, I'm not wishing for us to lose. But if we win these games, Matt Nagy is going to freaking stay. And I don't and I respectfully don't want that because I just feel like Matt Nagy, my bro, you've been you're awesome, bro. You're a good man. I would love to like shake your hand one day, take a picture with you. But in terms of leading this team of men, leading this team to a championship team, there's no he's not saying I want to win Super Bowl Chicago. He's not saying that. He's not saying I want to win a division. He's not saying that. He's not saying we have the best defense in the, in the country. No, he's complimenting everybody else. He's not saying we're going to have the best quarterback ever. Justin Fisk, he's not saying that. He's not proclaiming his team. And I, I respectfully want a coach who's going to who's going to cast a vision that we're going to go forward. He's he been talking about the why for so many years, but the why is the damn Super Bowl. And that's not being talked about. And that's not being talked about enough. So therefore, why win these games, Aldo? Because it's, it's it's like it's like no, we need to rip the band up. We have to go through bad. We have to be able to accept what's about to happen. If we lose the next seven games, I'm I won't be upset. I'm like it's like all right, this is what we expect because it's a false positive. If we do win the next seven games, I'm like I don't believe you, bro. I don't believe you. You're only doing it because you're going fired. But you should have thought about that week one. Why is your team not prepared for Sunday? Why is your team not prepared for Sunday at this stage in the game? We saw. Um, the, the, I don't want to go too long, guys. Came me off, but but we saw the Jets. 
look how the Cardinals marched down the field on against the Packers. They marched down the field. They had a two-point drill prepared to score. Kyler Murray has only been on the league for how many years? I don't. It, it doesn't matter about the talent stuff. It's the fact that there was a system in place for him to learn. And 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 and, and, they, and they barely the Packers barely walked out of there with a W. Aaron Rodgers still Aaron Rodgers, but the fact of the matter is there's no system in place. So therefore, it's time to roll. I hope we don't win seven games in a row, but I still want the Bears win. It's hard. I don't want to root for a loss. I know yeah. nobody does. Yeah, That's no. The twilight zone we're in. <laughs> I'm not rooting for that, but also this is a coach that never really puts expectations down because all he wants to do is try to justify why he's still there. His the the. The expectations are to get better. The expectations are to go back and figure out what they did wrong. The expectations are, you know, uh, having a good practice. The expectations are, you know, uh, there are a lot of guys that really fought today. The expectations are not quantifiable. They're all subjective. So he goes in there and says, we got to do this and we got to do this. Not one damn time is we're going to win the division. Not one damn time is we're going to beat the Packers. Not one damn time is I heard that we're going to go deep in the playoffs or, or win a Super Bowl. It's always just going back and figuring out what we did wrong, building on this. We got a great group of guys. We got to do that. It's always the same crap, and there's never any actual quantifiable results that they're going after. So it's it's just – it's I'm, this coach – does not really does not set the right culture. I know we talk about culture a lot, but he doesn't set the right culture because what are the expectations? All right, coach says we have to get better, whatever the hell that means. All right, good, great, awesome. <laughs> Go ahead, Tyler. You have one more thought. I can, I can... No, I was gonna say, Josh, yeah, hell yeah. Exactly what he said. There's no expectations. There's no expectations. Nobody's scared to mess up. Nobody's scared to mess up. There's no vision, so the guys don't even know what they're fighting for. They're, they're just going out. There. They're just going out. This a crapshoot. Like, it's, it's just like their offense, their, their practice is we're running their playbook without the defense. So, yeah, of course everything works without defense stopping you. It just doesn't make sense. And so it's like, but that's, Nagy, I'm glad we gave them an opportunity. I love it when people get an opportunity. But that's what it was. This experiment ha, has come and it has respectfully failed. And, and, and to the point, to the terms of like, you didn't come with anything. You were false as advertised. We, 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 we bought the hype. You got Kansas City to the playoffs or whatever it was you did. But in, in, in your effort to lead men and come in with the offensive system, system that you could call plays in, you don't have that, bro. There's no sustainable record of success that I should trust you with this historical franchise moving forward with this quarterback who is a top 10 talent. Well, just think about it, Tyler. One more thing before we move on. This is all you really have to think about. If Matt Nagy gets fired, Will he even sniff an an offensive coordinator position where he would have to call plays for another team in the NFL next year? Right. Would he even get would he even get a chance to call plays for another team in the NFL next year? Right. Or is he going to have to be a quarterbacks coach or go down to the college ranks? Right. Because yeah. if you're a head coach exactly. right now and you're not, you can't even you can't and you might not even get picked up as a coordinator next year. What does that say about what you really are? And what the Bears are really expecting. Exactly. Exactly. What quarter, What team says, I want that Bears offense? Like, God, in the chat, in the chat, who's picking the Bears offense in Madden? Every time I got the Bears in Madden, I always switch the offense. Oh, every time. Uh, I changed the playbook. I changed I mean, the playbook I, I mean, every the, time. The one time I picked them was when we had Mike March because it was the least creative of guys throwing downfield, and I can run. And rough for my life as a quarterback, but it's like it's not. But but besides that, the Bears' offensive man have always been born. It's always been born. 
And so yeah. Matt Nagy isn't calling any plays for anybody, which is another key indicator. And then even as a head coach, you're not even setting expectations. What is that? What What is that? You're in a leadership role and you're not setting expectations for your team? What is that? It's amazing. I, I, I always pick Bruce Arians' offense in Madden <laughs> just to twist the yeah. knife a little bit more. I really do pick his offenses every time. The, exactly. the, man, the man we twist said no thank you to. The man we said no thank yep. you to. Oh, yep. my goodness. That is cruel. All right, we move on to round seven. Last week, we talked about how great leaders look at problems from many different points of view. So, John, I'm going to ask you to take a very unpopular stance on the Matt Nagy problem. Give us an argument as to why it's better for the Bears to stick with Nagy past the bye week and to end the season. And then, Tyler, you shoot down John's argument. John? You're really trying to kill me with this, aren't you? <laughs> uh, well, I guess if I have to defend this take, I'm going to do it my way. Ownership should have to keep him until the end of the season to truly understand the error of their ways. You think Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace are great collaborators? This is what you get. You get fans not showing up to games, or even worse, you have fans rooting against the Bears because they want this guy gone so badly. Maybe this toxic work environment will turn, your, turn you into a results given franchise rather than the family diner model that you're clinging on to if the bears lose to the pittsburgh steelers on monday night national televised and happen to get embarrassed again it will be in our best favor to relieve matt Nagy of his duties because you actually want to see at this point it becomes to a player evaluation who's going to survive this purge if you will and actually the the, the Bears offense was in a much better flow with, with, with Chris Tabor at the helm. He allowed Bell Lazor. We saw our quarterback got to play quarterback with his coach there. And it didn't look like that Justin Fields missed his head coach at all. And so I actually enjoyed watching Justin Fields actually have fun playing quarterback. And he did that when his coach was the furthest from him. John, you're amazing. You're <laughs> you not you took Tyler's argument. <laughs> but I still, hey, I stayed with the parameters of what I had to do. You did. I, I, I defended the side that I had to defend. I just did it in a different way. That was the, that was the 1% chance that you could do that. Like, that was the only yeah. way you could have did that. You think we could find anyone in the city of Chicago who would defend Matt Nagy to come back and coach this uh, the final year of his contract? I don't think I'd so. I'd love to hear that. I'd love to hear the argument. I would just love to hear it to see how, what kind of mental gymnastics you have to do to say, we got to, this is our guy. This is our guy. This is guy's going to be hoisted Lombardi in Chicago at some point. I want to well, hear that let argument. Me, let me try this. Let me try this. Um, you don't want to bring in another head coach and another new coaching staff and disrupt the learning curve that Justin Fields is under. I mean, it is clear that he played his best game on Sunday. And if that, he plays an even better game against the Steelers on Monday night football. And then after the bye, we continue to see progress. Then we can't blame Matt Nagy when things are going wrong and then not give him credit when things are going right. So perhaps the argument is here is we're seeing some incremental progress in Justin Fields play. And that might be enough if we continue that incremental progress to bring them back another year, I can tell you, you don't know. believe one freaking thing you just said. You don't believe one word that just got spewed out of your mouth. Not one. Oh, not one. Uh, 
at all. I was like, huh? I was like, no, no, no. I appreciate the effort, and you may have convinced a few people, but oh my lord, he had his best game when his head coach was nowhere near the stadium. So I think, I think, I think that's a little more telling. Yeah, I was watching the guys on ESPN's uh, Get Up, and, and Ryan Clark was saying, listen, I don't want to say that. Uh, Justin Fields had his best game when the coach was nowhere near. But if it looks like a duck and it quacks like a duck and it's paddling its feet under the water like a duck, then it's a duck. Yep. <laughs> All right. It's not, it's not a coincidence. <laughs> no. Let's move on to round eight. Maybe I got a better question there. <laughs> Today was the final day the NFL allowed deals to be made for the season, and the Bears made none. Tell me why this is a good thing or a bad thing. Should the Bears have started rebuilding by moving some players just at least to shed some salary? Or did they do the right thing and continued the hunt for the playoffs? Tyler, start us off. I was hoping it was John. But um, <laughs> I think it was a good thing. I mean, because honestly, I was getting frustrated with a lot of tweets that I was seeing today. Because because of the lack of leadership, everybody was willing to get rid of Allen Robinson, get rid of David Montgomery, and I'm like, what the heck is what what the heck is that? I feel like get a new coach in here, allow them to probably evaluate what they want to do going forward. I don't want this coaching staff deciding who leaves and who goes right now. Maybe even Ryan Pace. We've been critical of Ryan Pace, and so therefore, I want to give somebody an opportunity to do a, a pure evaluation. I think they did the predictable thing. Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace are on their last legs, so why would they sell off assets for the next GM and head coach to use? Uh, I would have liked them to be somewhat of sellers. I would like them to try to get some draft capital back because when you're a bad team and a rebuild is on the horizon, most of the time you'd like to get some draft picks to help you, I don't know, rebuild. So the Bears are an average aging team with not a lot of draft capital. Could there be a less ideal situation? Yeah, that is the sad, sad truth. I was actually thinking that there might have been a chance that they would have moved Andy Dalton, who is the type of quarterback that, you know, a Sean Payton could say, you know what, I, I, I while Taysom Hill is going to be the starter when he comes back, but I know that with Andy Dalton, I've got a veteran who can pick up the playbook quickly and can get to work at, at being the backup to Hill, and uh, he, he's much more trustworthy than uh, Simeon, even though Simeon had a had an excellent game on Sunday, but you just can't expect, after other coaches look at tape of of uh, uh, of that quarterback, you can't expect them to continue that. So I at least expect that expect with Nick Foles on the squad, I at least expected uh, Dalton to be moved for a fifth or sixth rounder. But even that didn't happen. There wasn't even a rumor of a Bears trade. That's pretty sad. Well, and I thought that he could maybe go to Dallas, depending on how bad Dak's injury is. And yeah. obviously, Andy Dalton knows that system. He played in that system last year. Uh, they must be they they must feel pretty confident that. Dak's not going to be out for a significant amount of time. And Cooper Rush did play all right. So maybe they don't want to go to, uh, you know, spend draft capital on Andy Dalton for a rental. But yeah, there, was, there wasn't even, there were very few even like rumors. It was just people saying, trade this person or don't trade this person. Trade this. It didn't, nothing formulated at all. It, it was incredibly boring. Despite the fact Ryan Pace said that what they were going to take an aggressive mindset or something like that. Uh, what they, they what they do? They picked up one guy on their practice squad today. So there, there's, the, there's the aggressive mindset. There you go. But then, guys, real quick, just, just real quick. Sure. 
um, another reason of my frustration with the coaching staff, Trevor Simeon. Do you remember? I remember him from the Broncos. I remember oh, watching yeah. him be horrible. He went, so we talking about like one offseason? Was it really one freaking offseason? And he comes in, learns the Saints system, and then beats the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Mm-hmm. Sean what? Payton. Sean Payton. But that's what I'm talking about. About a, that's, a, that's a clear example of what I mean. Yep, somebody yeah. to come in. Somebody, he, he was like, I ain't starting. Jameis got it. He had no, he's the third on the depth chart. Yeah. Third on the depth chart, but he was ready, Aldo. Yeah. He was ready off of one offseason, maybe two offseasons. Right. But that's what I'm talking about. He didn't, it wasn't about time with the ones and da, 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 da. he knew that he he threw the damn ball where people were gonna be at, and he beat Tom Brady. Mm-hmm. He didn't lose the, the game. The culture. And that's that's, a, that's I mean. a, but that's, that's the, the culture the Saints have built up. That's yeah. the difference, and that's the that's why I'm mad the Bears didn't trade for Sean Payton. That's the one trade that should have happened. <laughs> that's the one trade that should have happened. Because that's all I cared about. Because, I I mean, even when Sean Payton was going through, I'm like, damn, can the Bears get him? Because he's a visionary. Yeah. He, he's a visionary. But his offense, now, at this point now, if something happened to Sean Payton, Sean Payton was going for some time. I believe with the, being sick or had some things, the team was still winning games. Yeah. Because he's not egotistical. He shares his information, and the players know what they got to do. And when the Saints lose a game, the players, you could tell, like, man, we messed up. Because the coaches have told them where to be, where to execute. And that's the difference. But for Trevor Simeon to do that against Tom Brady, that was very impressive. Very, very impressive. You might have a mini Sean Payton coming up through the ranks, and his name's Kellen Moore out in Dallas, where they they up until the game started, they didn't know if Dak was playing. Cooper Rush gets thrust into the game, and he had to play, and he did all right. So Kellen Moore is another one of these guys that is uh, one of those offensive-minded guys who was actually a quarterback for the Cowboys, and they basically just kept him around because they wanted him to be a coach. They were grooming him to be a coach as a time from the time he was a player. So uh, that that could be another name that circulated around the Bears uh, if if and when they uh, decide to part ways with Coach Nagy. All right. Well, let's talk about uh, the other guy, Ryan Pace. This is round nine. Ryan Pace has been the general manager with the Bears since 2015. He's now won 45 games and lost 49. During his time with the Bears, only seven teams have a worse record than Pace's. And that stat alone is enough to convince most Bears fans that it's time for Pace to go. But today, Adam Johns of The Athletic pointed out that there are three teams that stuck with their general managers through tough times. The biggest example of that was Jason Light of the Bucks. He was hired a year before Ryan Pace and has a 51-69 and 69 record. But he also has a Super Bowl ring now, and he's contending for another. The two other general managers, they have uh, Super Bowl-caliber teams, Tom Telesco of the Chargers and Steve Kim of the Cardinals. Gentlemen, here's the question. Is it best to be patient with Ryan Pace or is it best to pull the trigger? John, start us off. Listen, I think it's important to realize that every situation is different and every GM is different, but some of it is the same. All of those teams got the quarterback position figured out eventually. Brady in Tampa, Herbert in LA, Kyler Murray in Arizona, even after they took Josh Rosen in the first round the year before that. But here's also what those GMs have in common. Multiple coaching changes. In Arizona, Bruce Arians, Steve Wilkes and uh, Cliff Kingsbury. The Bucks, Lovey Smith, 
Dirk Cutter, then Bruce Arians again. The Chargers, Mike McCoy, Anthony Lynn, Brandon Staley. If Pace does stay, Nagy has to go because they all made multiple coaching changes until they got it right. It's hard to – I'm supposed to be debating you, bro. <laughs> ah. So the fact of the matter is I actually do want to practice – I would love to practice patience with Pace if he's willing to create change. We have to have change to be successful at this standpoint. You can't be stuck to your guns with what you started with. You got new contracts. You got Nagy new deal. It's time to be refreshed. Those GMs showed that they were willing to move on. Um, and Tampa Bay, they moved on from their first round pick of Jameis Winston. They were able to accept their fails early and move on to the next thing. Um, Herbert wasn't even supposed to be the guy. He wasn't even the guy. He was actually the guy early because Tyrod um, was a Tyrod Taylor at the time. Yeah, Tyrod Taylor. Who ended up getting hurt? And so these GMs shot. They 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 actually got depth in their teams on both sides of the ball. And then when it came time to make a decision to move the team forward, they made that decision. We are at the crossroads right now. If I'm Ted Phillips, hey, 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 um, Ryan Pace, it's either both of you or it's him. Which one is it? And that's where we are right now because these other GMs showed that they were able to put talent and move on and put proper leadership in place because the Buccaneers are not the Buccaneers without the proper leadership. Uh, you know, it's it's uh, in the chat room. It, it's a, a great debate going on. Guys like Steve and me are saying Pace is a total fraud. He hit on a few players, but a monkey throwing a dart at a dra- at a draft board would have done a better job. Fire his ass. And other people are saying that Pace should give be given an opportunity because he has made some good draft picks. This is to me a tough uh, a tough call. I don't really like a lot of turnover. In, a, in an administration, the Pittsburgh Steelers, John, a team that you you follow very closely. I mean, how many head coaches and GMs have they had in their future? I mean, the three coaches, coaches, three coaches in fifty-two years, three coaches in in half of a century, more than half a century. Chuck Knoll, Bill Cowher, and Mike Tomlin, and they really didn't even have like a general manager up until a couple of years ago. It was, it was a different it was a different title, but they but they stay very consistent with that kind of stuff. So. I understand where you don't you want to have stability, uh, but I'm not gonna I'm not gonna cry if Ryan Pace gets fired. <laughs> but I because I, I think that there there are some fireable offenses there with how he's constructed this team and a lot of band aids put on things where it's just well I screwed up the Trubisky pick let's bring in Foles and then Dalton and then we got draft Fields oh we, I guess we gotta let Leonard Floyd go let's give Robert Quinn seventy million dollars oh uh, Kevin White didn't work out we gotta go get a Rob uh, you know uh, Adam Shaheen didn't work out we gotta go sign Jimmy Graham then draft Cole Komet so I, I get it there's a lot of there's a lot of chasing your own t- when it comes to Ryan Pace and roster construction and all that money that should be going spread out to fix a lot of these things are going to fix your mistakes first and then bolster everything else later. Uh, so, but I, I, I agree with Tyler where he says it's either Nagy or you both go because all those names that I just rattled off, uh, they all had three coaches before they got it right. Three they, On the third try, they got it right. So uh, it's, it's up to the debate whether or not John Fox was thrust upon Ryan Pace and they said, you got to take this safe guy because we screwed up the Tressman pick so bad that Mark Tressman was so bad, even though we were thinking out of the box and we were, you know, we were zany and we got the mastermind. Oh crap. That didn't work. Let's go get boring John Fox. And so Ryan Pace, that's who you got to get. But, and so then he goes and gets Matt Nagy. How much was that Ryan Pace? How much was that Ted Phillips? 
I think that if they're going to give him one more shot, you say, you absolutely, you get rid of the head coach and this is your last shot. But then you're also buying Ryan Pace another two to three years then. So is that what you want as well? Is that what, is that what the guy, what you want pulling the, pulling the strings? You want Ryan Pace here for at least another three years? I'd be okay if he wasn't. Yeah. If like, to your point, to your point, John, if they came out and they let go of both of them, cool. That means I'm excited if it's going to be all brand new. I'm excited about that. I don't want turnover because I do want continuity. We want mm-hmm. continuity of a vision, but guess what? There is no vision in place. So what continuity anyway, there, there's no culture of sustainable success. So why not move on? But I do remember short periods of time of the bears having no pass rush. It was the most depressing games to watch of Chicago bears. I'm like, Oh my God, this is boring. We're praying for an interception. But I remember the day we got Khalil Mack, and I freaking couldn't believe it. <laughs> I was like, oh, my God. Like, oh, my God. Can't yep. believe that we got him. Can't believe we had the balls to go after him. And right. I was like, man, Pace, you mother – I was done with you, but you you made a move, bro. You showed me that you were regular. Hang your, show your kahunas, and you made a move like that to get a generational talent and Khalil Mack. And Khalil Mack, I don't care about that. He does need help. He's not. He can't score a touchdown for us. But even though he he's tried to before, he's tried. That, but like things like that is why I'm okay with giving him a chance because he's good at scouting players' talent. But it's the player development that's in question, which is going to go back to the coaching staff, the people you put in place. So he's come. Ryan Pace. I mean, some some part ownership of what happened with the Saints. He learned from that Saints organization. Now give him a ton of credit with it. But I'm just saying, scout development, yes. Player development, no. And so it's one thing to pick a player, but who's developing those players? So I'm I'm good either way. I'm good with get rid of them both. I'm get, if, if we get Ryan Pace a chance, who's the head coach? And so that's where I'm at with it. Gotta love what the factor here says. He he writes, "Do you trust Pace to get the head coach right, or do you trust George and Ted mm. to get the next GM right?" Pick your poison, Bears fans. That's it. That's <laughs> well, it. It's, it's, it. I think no. We're at the we're at the mercy of whatever consulting agency they go after and say, "Hey, pick. A, we need you guys to pick our new GM again. Oh, here, here's a, here's fifteen million dollars. Pick our GM." Because they don't have a they don't have a president of football operations, so they outsource that crap to people and say, "Hey, listen, we don't know what the hell we're doing. We need some consulting." It's crazy. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness! All right, guys, let's go on to the final question in round. All right, here's the deal: I'm watching Sunday's game at Soldier Field, and the turf looks worse than it has in years. You know, the Soldier Field turf has for many years, been the worst in the NFL. But the last two or three years, it was actually pretty good. But now, on Sunday, that thing was falling apart. It became dangerous for the players out there. So I start thinking, is this the result of the Chicago Park District being told, don't worry about taking care of the field. We want to stick it to the McCaskies because they're going to probably move to Arlington Heights. Or is this just an aberration or once in a, uh, you know, every, every grounds crew has a bad day kind of thing it is, or should the bears just say, screw this whole thing. We are definitely moving out of soldier field. We're tired of it. Tyler, I'm going to start with you and I'm turning off the clock guys. Let's have a discussion here. No debate on this. All right, Tyler. So, so right. So right here with this, Ayo, why should they take care of it? You're playing like trash. And so like that. <laughs> trash trash plays on trash. That's, what you <laughs> like, that's like, you know what? If, if the catch, okay, if, the, if I can imagine the head coach going down and talking like, guys, what happened to the field? The guy says, 
Does it really matter how the field looks? <laughs> You're really worried matter? about how the field looks. How, how, how about this, coach? How many, how many, how many deep passes are you gonna call today, coach? <laughs> you talk about my, my job. Let me tell you about your job, coach. That's so you're, worried, you're worried about the field. <laughs> you worried about the I'm worried field, about. Huh? I'm worried about fields, and you're worried about the field. All right, okay, good. <laughs> Yeah, I, I I got I got nothing to come back with that on other than I'm I, I'm not someone who wants to hold back progress. It's possible that if they move, they could potentially put in an indoor facility with all that fancy hybrid turf stuff with maybe a retractable roof. Uh, that might be weird, and that would probably be a really tough adjustment for me to watch, like an indoor Bears game and like an indoor home Bears game. But I'm sure they thought it was crazy when the Vikings left uh, Metropolitan Stadium and went to the Metrodome or the Lions left Tiger Stadium and went to the Silverdome. Um I it would be a really tough adjustment for me, but also I get it from a revenue standpoint that all of a sudden that new stadium could be housing concerts, it could be housing conventions, it could be housing Super Bowls, and that's a lot more money during January and February and March whenever the weather's really crappy and you couldn't do anything in Soldier Field. Now you have this complex with a potential like casino attached to it where you're having these huge multi-million dollar events and that's just more money, more money, more money. And hopefully that would inspire the team to play better. I don't know how, but maybe maybe it would. If you say, hey, we got this really nice stadium, we should probably do something in it. Uh, like, but like tackle? Up, <laughs> like tackle, but you know, you're, as also that's me as a Pirates fan who uh, were they when they opened PNC Park and it was absolutely beautiful. The product did not follow. Oh, uh, no. so, <laughs> it did not follow so much. So, uh, so uh, yeah, I, I get it. And I wouldn't like to see the Bears become an indoor team because I think that that kind of is synonymous with the Chicago Bears. A lot of that, you know, bad weather. And that's true. Mule Skinner Heinz Field is a cow pasture. That's usually because towards the end of the year, they start playing the high school uh, football championships on mm. Heinz Field. And they have like four games in the weekend. And then Pitt will play because the uh, University of Pittsburgh plays there as well. So they'll play like four high school games there. And then Pitt will play there. And then the Steelers have to play there on Saturday. And you look around, you're like, why are there so many like landmines everywhere? What yeah. is this? So yeah, Heinz Field gets really bad towards November, December because they're playing a ton of games on that field. Mm. Wow, that sucks. I'll, I'll tell you what, and uh, I love the idea of the Bears playing in downtown Chicago, but it's time, man. It's time to to build a state-of-the-art stadium. As long as the Chicago Bears organization is going to front most of the bills associated with that, I'm all for them moving to it. I, I don't care if it's in my backyard here in Arlington Heights or wherever. It's time for a new stadium. I'm tired of the Chicago Park District. I'm tired of the poor playing conditions. I'm tired of going to a game and have to deal with the poor parking conditions and so forth. And this is a great city and uh, this is a great organization. I mean, I know they stink and they've got a, a, a long record of losing, but it's time that we get something really nice going for Bears fans. And as John said, there's so many revenue possibilities when you build a, a dome stadium, you can house, you know, there's the, the Southern Baptist uh, convention brings in a hundred thousand people. Chicago doesn't have a place for them. They go to Indianapolis. They go to some, uh, some of the other dome stadiums uh, in the Midwest for their annual convention. And Chicago's losing out on millions of uh, dollars uh, because of that. So it's time to, to get with the times. And let me tell you something, guys, you guys really, 
really brought it today. This has been my favorite episode of The Bear Debate and one of my favorite barroom shows of the entire year. And we've been putting out some pretty good work. So that's saying something. You guys really were on your A game today. And let's uh, finish things off by just getting your thoughts, realistic thoughts on the Bears and Pittsburgh Steelers. Tyler, I'll start with you. Are you going to the game, Tyler? I was going, I was going to try to, but I don't think I'm going to make it. Okay, so I know John's going to be there. So, Tyler, tell me, what do you expect you're going to uh, see when you watch them on TV next Monday night? Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Um, oh, man. Ho- hopefully, I just see a team that tries. I mean, I'm looking at the players. The coaches are the coaches. But at the end of the day, when it, when it's kickoff time, it's time for the players that, like, you're, you're a man, show up, play some football. I want to see some effort. I want to see, can we move the ball downfield? Can we just work on some things? I want to see, can Cole Komet score a touchdown? Can, I want to see Allen Robinson and Fields. Is that going to be an excuse what we didn't do in the offseason? Or are we going to learn under fire? Like, we're grown men. Run the route, I'm going to throw you the ball. Allen Robinson is a great wide receiver, in my opinion. And um, if we're not going to use him, somebody will. And so I, I feel like Allen Robinson is a great safety net for Justin Fields. When we talk about completing multiple passes, Allen Robinson is the guy who's going to do it for you. Darnell Mooney is showing up great with the drag watch consistently. And so I just feel like I want to see Larry Borm, who had a decent game somewhat, um, have another start. Let's see how that goes. And so um, with the Pittsburgh Steelers, we're taking advantage of a team who was a Super Bowl contender year after year. And so, like, um, at the end of the day, that I'm, we, I, I feel like our defense should get home. Because we, we saw we saw um, they actually came back and they took care of the Cleveland Browns, a team who took care of us. And so, like, that's something to keep in mind. Um, I just hope we're in a do- – I hope it's a dogfight. I hope it's a dogfight, but I, I want to just – I'm invested, interest in just my, my future franchise quarterback, something we've been looking forward to for uh, forever. So <laughs> my money's on Justin Fields to lead them, make some more highlights. And the, more, the better Justin Fields does, the better coaching – more people want to come here. <laughs> so, like, I want the, I want Justin Fields to create more coaching. Like, yo, bring me the right coach. And so that's what I'm looking for. I can't give you a win or a loss. I hope the Bears win. But do I really want them to win? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to be at this game. And I am originally from the Pittsburgh area, as many of you know. So many of my friends, even some of my family, are Steelers fans. So I will be deep in enemy territory watching this team Hopefully, hopefully spare me from just a barrage of texts and messages and just memes and all this other stuff because the Steelers fans have it all, man. They, I mean, Tomlin's been there, what, 14 years and never had a losing season? Like They got six Super Bowls. Uh, they, they're constantly in the playoff picture. They're going deep in the playoffs. They're, they, their expectation is to at least make the conference championship game every year. They got everything. The only thing we got is we're doing pretty well in the head-to-head. I think we we run the overall series like twenty-one to seven or something like that. We haven't lost to them since two thousand five when the uh, when the Steelers went to the Super Bowl. Uh, so the only thing that I can, can cling on is to some of these face these head-to-head matchups. So I really need this. I need this. Please pull this game off because I'm going to be there in person. I don't want to be in that stadium and watch the Bears get embarrassed. So please, I'm begging you, if you're ever going to do it, do it for this game, please. Win one for John. <laughs> yes. I've put in enough. I've, I've invested enough of my emotions. Just give me this one, man. Just give me this one. <laughs> 
All right, John, why don't you uh, uh, give us some shout outs and finish this off here and then we'll go to Tyler and then I'll close the show. Go ahead. Excellent. Well, I appreciate everyone tuning into this edition of the Bear Debate. This is so much fun. I love doing this, and time flies whenever we're doing it. Tyler and Aldo are fantastic. We have a lot of fun here. Uh, and thanks, thank you so much to everybody in the chat room, whether this is your first time or 50th time, whether you're listening to the live version, the video version, the audio version, or the podcast version. Appreciate each and every one of you spending some time and having this Bears therapy session with us. So uh, if you like this show, you'll love all the other shows we got on the Barroom Network. Tomorrow night, Buffone 55, we're going to have uh, two of the hosts from the Yinzers podcast to help us break down the Chicago Bears a little bit. That's going to be those the, the, uh, those hosts, and that show is so fun. You're going to love hearing about the, the Steelers and how the Bears are going to stack up against the Steelers. Uh, so make sure that you tune in. Alyssa Barbieri and myself and Aldo will be back tomorrow night to break that down obviously uh you know mike north will be back this week greg gabriel go back and listen to his show danny shimmon will be breaking down the tape on the bare truth uh dan and aldo are on right after us so if you if you if you like a lot of raw talk you're gonna love that one and of course right after the game always tune in to bear football right here in the barroom network just so much bears content that you can't you can't ever have enough and we have it almost every single day for you so stay with us on the barroom network Family, um, once again, just want to say thank you for everybody being here. Um, I'm even at Bear Football on Sunday, guys. I think we had over a thousand views, over a couple thousand. So we just re- truly thank you guys for spending your time with us. We do appreciate it. Smash the like button. Go ahead and subscribe so you always go. It's phenomenal content on the on this on this network for months of shows. And on uh, win, lose, or draw, we're gonna be here. We're gonna be here Monday. We'll be here Monday night halftime, and it's gonna it's gonna it's definitely gonna be fun. Um, what I will say is this. I'm hopeful for the future. I'm hopeful for the future, and I I am truly excited about this young man, Justin Fields. He got to show what a talent that he is. And so between that, this show was incredible. I have the best co-host that you can have when it comes to just just letting let, – just throw, when you come sit on the ring, you just throw on blows, John. You just throw on blows. This, this, is, this is what it's all about. And this is, once again, a super big shout-out to the Chicago Bulls for being first place in the Eastern Conference. Um, coming back from um, 19 points below the other game to beat the Celtics. Truly excited about the entire Bulls nation. And um, I'm pretty sure we put that plan together for next Thursday to be the return of C-Red Radio. But stay tuned because we got Bulls one-on-one and we got um, Bulls gold here broadcasting on the network. And so phenomenal Bulls coverage, Bears coverage, Blackhawks coverage, you, you name it. And even past the mic, like John said. And so we got some amazing content here. We love you all, Bears Nation. Bulls Nation, um, stay tuned. All right. These guys covered it like, uh, what's the expression, like a blanket? They, they did a great job throughout the show and closing the show. So all I'll say is goodbye, everybody. We'll be back here uh, next Tuesday, right? Because Monday night shouldn't affect our schedule. So we'll be back here next uh, Tuesday at the same time, same station. Take care, everybody. Where's my video? Oh, there it is. <laughs> Thank you.